and I'm back. Welcome to another episode of Look What I Did. This is Daniel Quinn, your host. Let's start by thanking our patrons so I don't forget, always important. So first, thank you Kathy, Cindy, Brian, Chelsea, Jesse, Travis, Tyler, and Brian. Thank you guys for supporting the show. That's just a couple of our top end supporters. Um, you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month as well if you go to patreon.com forward slash look what I did. Uh, this week's guests I'm super, super excited about. And they they do uh, vintage clothing and they brought a bunch of stuff with them up from Dallas. And so there's a bunch of photos. We had Heather back in. It kind of felt like a, like an old school episode. I really enjoyed it. Actually, it was a ton of fun. So You'll definitely want to go to Instagram. Um, you can find us LWID Project on Instagram, and uh, and we'll have some photos of the clothes that they brought. And then Robbie and Amy shared uh, some some more photos with us as well. So so we'll have some good visual content this week too. So that's nice. Um, just good to be back in like the normal rhythm of things. And fall weather finally, like wake up sixty ish degrees, perfect. Love it. Love every minute of it. I love fall. Okay, so this week um, we sit down with Robbie Prater and Amy Wheeler. Uh, Robbie and I used to work together a long time ago. I'll let you guys figure out where that was. Uh, that could be a fun little contest thing or something. But um, it, it's been a long time since we've had a chance to catch up, and we've kind of followed each other a little bit on social media here and there. And so I saw Unusual Retail as it kind of you know took off uh, a couple of years ago, I think, at this point as he started that up and. Uh, but it's been a while since we've been able to sit down and just kind of catch up. And so this was a ton of fun for me. And in the middle of this, there's a random, just like weird path we go down regarding Star Trek for a while. So you can hear us nerd out about that. Literally unknown to me the entire time I've known Robbie that he was into Star Trek. So that happens for like five minutes in the middle of the show. But otherwise, this is super fun conversation just about retail, um, discovering vintage items, kind of like... Uh, the role nostalgia plays. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy the show and, uh, without further ado, Mr. Robbie and Miss Amy enjoy. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now um, we can begin. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, uh, I'm Robbie and I sell vintage clothing. I'm Amy. I also sell vintage clothing, but also blog about slow fashion. Like competitors? Like a um, Romeo and Juliet situation? You both sell vintage clothing on different sites? No. No, actually, um, <laughs> actually, it all started, uh, I mean, if we want to go back uh, about five years ago in 2016, I was just bored uh, working an office job and I just needed something else to do. And um, even further back, back in the nineties, like selling bell bottoms was like huge. Like, you know, the seventies came back in a big way. So anything seventies, like those old ringer shirts, right, uh, right. bell bottoms were huge. Uh, we would go after school and just go thrifting and try and find them. And we'd resell them to friends and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like a short lived thing. I actually was still kind of doing it when I moved up here and uh, I got burned really bad on eBay because people were saying that they weren't getting stuff delivered and eBay was really bad about not having tracking then. Oh. So I got burned three times in a row and I was like, I'm done. Um, I was still reselling stuff like here and there, like stuff I had left over, like old records, like old punk records from the seventies and stuff. Right. Wait, um, so you're telling me like eBay at one time had worse technology than it has today? I know, hard to believe. Um, it's there goes that sponsorship. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. It's advanced a whole five years at this point, <laughs> in 20 years. Um, but yeah, 2016, so restarted just kind of thrifting and stuff like that, just trying to see what was out there. And it was kind of slow, like I wasn't really taking it too seriously and just kind of doing it if I was bored on my lunch break at work, you know, cause got an hour and it's a huge change to have an hour lunch break at that point. So, right. uh, and there was two thrift stores close by. So I was always going, just looking for stuff, found some cool things. Um, and then I think 2018 is when it really ramped up, uh, reselling and really getting into vintage clothing. Um, I'm saying I'm a lot already. I sound, okay. like, Jer I sound like Jerry Jones at this point. <laughs> um, um, um. We so, can edit it out. 
Good, good. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of edits. Oh, no. It's like a whole Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and you're welcome. Yeah. Um, but I, I think when Slobby Robbie came out with his show, there's a sh- uh, show yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, I really like that yeah. show. Slobby's World. Or, yeah, it's Slobby's, Slobby's World. Slobby's World. Yeah, yeah. And he's um, based in Tucson, right? Yeah, yeah. And at that point, I was like, okay, Vintage is about to take off huge. And sure enough, like, I was going to estate sales in 2018. I think a year later, I was going to estate sales and I would get there 30 minutes beforehand, be the only person in line for clothes. Then I was having to get there like two or three hours early. But so I don't. Blossomed. Yeah. I, but What's what vintage I, now, though? Like, the rule is, is almost vintage. It's I mean, vintage. It is vintage. It's, it's starting to pick up anything early 2000s. Actually, right now, that's like the hot item to buy is Y2K stuff. Yeah, we got some Millennium shirts. Like those yeah. nylon pants that I had with way too small flip <laughs> yeah. t-shirts. And dang it, I, I just got rid of a bunch of stuff. I'm actually curious to see what happens around um, 2025 with vintage, to be honest, because it's kind of like, is all that like scene and emo stuff going to come back huge? Right. Well, because I feel like, like the haircuts are already coming back. Like the kind of, emo yeah. shag and the like shag, the little, yeah, yeah. Like all of that's really coming in right and now. And you are starting to see like pop culture wise that like love of the like Val mm-hmm. Kilmer did his thing. And then what's the the 90s kids or whatever? Um, the Punky Brewster girl. Right. Yeah. Then she, they have like on Hulu and Netflix yeah. all the shows so about this, like, like the kids the in the love 90s. Of that era yeah. And yeah. just that kind of like. Full House came back. I mean, that was like 80s, early 90s. And then Girl Meets World now is Mm -hmm. back. And there's the Friends Reunion. I wonder if the, like, so just out of curiosity, if our nostalgia for our youth then drives a rise in awareness in pop culture as a whole, which our kids latch on to, right? Like my daughter's like super into Nirvana. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, it's going to happen. And it's going to make you feel old. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's making me feel because I'm, you know, we're knee deep in it. Yeah. Well, so. if you think about it, like, you know, the rise of psychedelia kind of tie dye and like flower power movement and everything was obviously like huge 60s and 70s. Right. But in the early 2000s, like all that stuff came back hardcore. And that's what everybody was wearing. And our parents were getting nostalgic. Maybe. Yeah. Right. And it's getting it's coming. It came back again. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is the second time. So right. it's just really weird to be alive to see a trend like that come around two times and i think a lot of it has to do with and this hasn't happened before because pop culture wasn't as big as it it didn't have as much of an impact it on the world accessible, right like now it's yeah. super accessible i think it, like it just the whole catalog's there mm-hmm. yeah and if you look back i mean the first time i really ever remember it happening happening looking back was Probably around the 70s, there was a huge resurgence of 1950s culture. Yeah. Uh, American Graffiti is a really good example. Uh, what else came out during that we time? We have one of those shows. Uh, it was yeah. your example, so I'm letting you look. Happy Days. Happy okay, Days is another perfect. example right. one. It's like, I don't have an um, example. There's one more I'm forgetting. <laughs> but yeah, there was a resurgence in movies. Hot Rods were big back in right. the 70s again. There was just a lot going on. Uh, it just it, it brought it back. And I think that was the first time it really did because 50s pop culture just kind of it made a big impact because there was just a lot going on in the fifties. It was, there was a lot of prosperity, a lot of clothes, a lot of, uh, American fashion kind of came, came up for the first time, which we actually watched. Uh, yeah. what was that it's show on, we were watching? Um, Amazon prime, right? Yeah. It was like, Oh no, it was on HBO. Um, it was called the American fashion history or something like that. And each episode was about two different decades and yeah. everything. And so like, like parallel decades or just compared? No, just like 50, 60. Yeah. Got it. And then moving on. And, um, but like something we talk about a lot too, is like a lot of the kids born in the eighties are really heavy, like seem to be really into pinup culture and fifties kind of like all yeah. that pop culture kind I of stuff. I think a lot of it has to do with leftover, just resurgence of that 50 stuff from the, from the seventies. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, even me, like I'm really big into pinup stuff and a lot of that has to do with my dad who grew up in the fifties and early sixties. So, well, and that's what like, you know, I sold clothes for a long time. I'm going to leave it to the audience to figure out how you and I know each other. <laughs> I may use that as like a weird contest thing later. See if they can narrow it down. Um, but I always thought like fashion was just like, it just cycled, right? Like mm-hmm. every 20, 25 years, it just kind of seems to come back and, like it just has this pattern of doing it. And, and it, it wasn't until yeah. recently that I started thinking about the fact, I wonder if that pattern is driven more by 
like I said, the nostalgia of a generation looking back on something like I'm not a super nostalgic person, but even just being surrounded by it, I start to find myself like, Oh man, I really miss like live shows at clunk music hall or ska just lost like half. Upbeat. Like, you know, it was just this positive thing, but then I was reading an article the other day and this is what I think kicked my brain down that road is that like McDonald's and Burger King and a couple other franchises are like, doing like a 90s late 80s like retooling like they're just doing the branding more mm -hmm. like it was from our childhood right and right. i think it is because they like we want that we want that feeling of perpetual youth yeah, or to yeah. like recapture that like magical moment or whatever you know a lot of it has to do like something that we learned a lot about in that american fashion history show was that a lot of it does have to do with the um like stableness of the economy like after in the 80s every all the clothes were really big and using a lot of fabric and stuff because everybody wanted to live in excess and be like i am here and it was like the rise of like that middle middle class and everything and so we do see some of those things happen with what's going on and like you know the social life of and then something else too is that there's something along the lines of when you start reaching your you know, late thirties, early forties, you start having more and more disposable income because your income is supposed to peak around 45, 50 years old. So I think a lot of that too goes back to just when you get to that age and then you want to be nostalgic, you want to relive your childhood. You've got the money to kind of just buy those toys or things that you remember from when you were a kid. And it happens a lot. Like a lot of collectors, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of collectors. <laughs> You're like, I'm out. My Lego collection has grown quite a bit. And then yeah. Walmart reissued some He-Man action figures that I may or may not have acquired. See? <laughs> for my daughter to look at. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, Starting but even cars. Like cars is another example. People do the same thing with cars. Like yeah. they want to buy that car that they had when they were 16. Mm -hmm. So right. it all goes back to just those memories that we have. Uh, that's what really fuels it. And then at the same time, it also just there's there's enough of a push that it reaches that breaking point that uh the generation you know behind you they're starting to get nostalgic about it too because they're just like i never got to see that that's really cool yeah you mm -hmm. know well like in in slobby's world it, which we referenced earlier like it's not you and i aren't necessarily buying the vintage clothes my daughter's probably the one buying the vintage clothes oh, right yeah like, Oh, absolutely. Uh, most of the people uh, that we come across that are buying, like I'll, I'll use Grateful Dead as an example. There's a huge, there was a huge resurgence in Grateful Dead shirts about two years ago. And the people- John Mayer. That's why. I guess. I don't know. I have no like, idea. I never, I never dug <laughs> I've never into really it. listened to Grateful Dead. Yeah. Well, like, it's not that's really that good. good. Yeah. We, we are really just like alienating people today. If you like eBay, you're out. If you like Grateful Dead, you're out. Well, luckily nobody likes say. eBay, so you know. <laughs> Everybody's already over to Etsy and Poshmark. Double and, down. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I, oh my God. Uh, eBay's a trigger word for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I can't believe I forgot. I mean, it. okay. So Gen Z is really passionate about the environment and they're like the biggest spenders outside of millennials and everything. And so they are super into buying secondhand clothes and everything because fast fashion is not exactly great for the environment. And so they are such pushing on that movement to have like secondhand first. Um, so they actually are huge consumers of the vintage market and they are driving it like crazy um, to the point where all the fast fashion companies are having to, you know, for at one point they were appealing to, you know, junior high and high schoolers. And now they're appealing to people that are in their late 20s, early right. 30s going to work and how can they, you know, provide them clothes and things like that as that market. And that actually brings up an interesting point of like, you'll see companies like Gap, right? <clears throat> Buy the license to Super Mario or mm -hmm. Masters of the Universe or whatever, Pong. And those shirts tend to do okay with a certain demographic, but you don't see younger people necessarily buying that as much. Like they really are drawn to the idea of like no this is actually a vintage piece of mm -hmm. like this is from that era so no they want it yeah, yeah everybody that we run across for the most part that are our contemporaries and competition to be honest 
they are probably about 25 years old for the most part. I mean, they're all in that kind of just mid 20 range. Mm -hmm. Right. And it makes me feel old sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I definitely go around, but you know, it also gives me a competitive advantage because there are some things I've seen them pass up and I'm just like, why did you pass it up? That's, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. Do you remember Gotcha? No. Uh, it was a paintball game back in the eighties. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody, some kid found a gotcha shirt and he just kind of just put it back after he found it. And I went and grabbed it. I was like, dude, this is so cool. Like it's in my personal collection now. Cause you know, <laughs> it's not worth a lot, but I'm just like, dude, I had a gotcha gun yeah. you know, when I was a kid. Yeah. So, uh, that's one of those competitive advantages. I feel like I have sometimes cause you know, I was alive in the eighties. I remember all that stuff. And there are certain things that I do remember like certain shows and I'll just be like, Oh yes. Like, I know about that, so I'll go look for it, and it's underpriced somewhere, so I can actually buy it from a competitor and then resell it myself. Cause yeah, because you know the value. I know the it. value of it, right? You know? Right. Do you, like, is it weird to kind of be the gatekeeper of what's cool from the past? Because I mean, you guys are making decisions. You're not just taking everything that came from the '90s. I don't really feel like we're gatekeepers. I feel like we're kind of the. I don't want to say middle manager, but I definitely feel like we're passing the baton from what culture is identifying as popular and then making sure that it's getting out there and by hunting for it. Still I'll, deciding which batons you're passing. True, that's true because <laughs> we I are will, pretty picky when we go. Right, that's what I'm so. saying, right? Like it's a curated collection of really, like everything I've seen is really cool, right? But like the, sometimes I get faced with this of like, you know, who do you decide to have on the show or not have on the show? And it's like, I don't know, you know, like, because <laughs> you kind of feel like, am I gatekeeping? Like what I think is like creative, yeah. you know, whatever, like, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but you are kind of determining like, yeah, this is worth the conversation. This one needs some time or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing with clothing, like there's gotta be shirts where you guys are just like, nah, that's not gonna, oh, absolutely. You know, like, and the thing is that we always talk about, cause we run into this at estate sales and thrift stores where we'll see another reseller and they'll just leave because they see us there first. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, dude, don't leave. Like we all like different, we stuff. all like right. different stuff. Like so. we have friends who strictly only sell 80s stuff. Mm -hmm. We are not really a fan of that 80s style, but we will take pictures or purchase it for them to sell in their stores and right. everything because like everybody has a different market and customer. It's just, but I mean, I think, you know, it's not really you being a gatekeeper on, what you think is cool and not cool. It also has to do with what your interest is. And so like our interest happens to be the sixties and seventies, your right. interest happens to be whoever you have on your show and yeah, you know, yeah. you can carry on a conversation. Like no one wants to have a business that they just are like, I guess I'll sell this shirt. Like we want to be passionate yeah. about it. You know, and then you find that consumer, right. And it just kind of keeps. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we do try and kind of have a broad approach to what we buy. There are some people that just buy t-shirts mm -hmm. and they yeah. just buy wrestling and like band tees and just uh, like anime shirts. They will only buy the stuff that sells for a hundred or more. That's all they buy. They don't buy anything else. And we at least try and find fashion. Um, we do buy 80 stuff, even though we don't like it, but it's gotta be something spectacular for mm -hmm. us to want to like get a gotcha it. gun t-shirt. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? That'll get up there. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, well, 80s t-shirts. I mean, I won't pass on a t-shirt if it's cool enough, like I will get it. But I think the fashion stuff is what we're really talking about here when it comes to being very picky and select about right. it, because, uh, I don't know. It just tends to, we find more fashion than we do t-shirts. The t-shirts get snagged up so quickly that even in our box over there that we brought with this, it's, I think there's maybe like four or five t-shirts we brought. Yeah. So everything else is fashion. Right. And so you guys are focused on, <laughs> I actually missed this. You guys are focused mostly on sixties and seventies. We are, that's because that's what we're, our interests are. we like the sixties and seventies, but, but we do buy everything. Yeah. I mean, we buy jeans, t-shirts. I even bought like a pair of Nike shoes in the nineties. Like, even though I hate selling shoes, it's, it's a hard sell for me. Um, but we buy everything. I yeah. Mean, One thing that we'd like to say is that vintage is already a niche. So yeah. we don't want to niche down and even more like into more it. More and more filters. So like to, when you yeah. come in, like we have something for everybody. You know, yeah. if you're a sneaker head, you know, you might find a sneaker. If you love panties, we have panties. Like if you like dresses, we have a lot of dresses. You know, we have something for everybody. Need a hat fashion, for your dome. I got that. <laughs> yeah. Like in your personal collection. Right. And we try and have a wide variety of size ranges too. Like we want 
you know, everybody to feel seen when they come into right. the store um, instead of just trying to make it like we only have one specific customer that we have to like claw and fight for to have because there is a lot of competition out there. And so, you know, we can't like make it too much about us at the end of the day. <laughs> Do you guys have customers that you buy for? Like, this is a repeat customer, and I just know, like, they're going to love this piece. So we do. Yeah, we do keep an eye out for certain customers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Nicole's one. And yeah. Then, uh, Shout out to Devil Eggs guy. Oh, yeah, Devil <laughs> Eggs guy. There's this guy. He's all about deviled eggs, but he also collects political shirts. So anytime I find a political shirt, he's the first one I, I send a message to. Yeah. How do we get to talk to Devil Days? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'll like, send your info. Yeah, for real. No, he's all cool. about Devil Days. <laughs> It's the most mysterious statement that's ever been uttered in this show ever. Like, I mean, deviled eggs are delicious. So. I agree. I just like I would not describe myself as all. I am all about them when they are on the table. Yeah. But I don't know if I've described the rest of my he life that way. He probably knows thousands of ways to make deviled eggs. And, yeah, I remember like, talking about that. Like duck eggs that made into deviled eggs. Like the this spice, the not spice. Like just craziness. It's like the Forrest Gump of deviled eggs. Yeah, yeah. definitely. The Bubba, whatever. Like yeah. yeah. It's funny. Um, so you guys are online now. Is there any like thought of going to a brick and mortar retail? Actually, I fought it for a long time and I finally come around to it. You know, your three biggest costs in, re in retail are payroll, uh, cost of goods and rent lease. Uh, yeah. Those are your three big ones. So you know, luckily, cost of goods is super cheap. Right. Uh, we never really buy anything over ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, most everything we buy costs like a dollar to four dollars. Yeah, I think say. our average dollar is around four dollars per yeah. item purchase, so it's pretty low. How do I get in this game? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. We'll see. That goes with our background in retail, but right. um, uh, I have a background in retail. Yeah, we've got some time in the, in the trenches. Um, Twenty years. I may have spent more time in it than you. Maybe. I don't know. I think we're about even. Close. Are we pretty even? I think we're about even, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you guys, you old birds, definitely have a few years on me. <laughs> uh, maybe I started working when I was 10. You don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I finally come around to it. Uh, we we spent about $400 a month on event fees. Right. Um, and then that's not, I mean, online, I'm not even going to include. It's pretty cheap as it is. Mm -hmm. But... We only do one event or two events a weekend, so 400 bucks to do, mm -hmm. what, about eight events a month is like maybe eight to ten. Yeah, and we're only open ten days a week. Yeah, so. Basically. It's like just add another 400 or $600 to that, and you got yeah, you a store. Yeah. yeah. When well, yeah. you have some storage space, right, you can use some of that store for storage space. <laughs> you can, no? <laughs> no. No, go ahead. Sorry. Wait, I was just, I was like, how did that go? I was like, surely like, it's a wrong? hard time, like hard to just store the stuff you have like in your house or whatever. So with this, yeah, well, it ends good. up there anyway. We no, we have a storage space, but it, it like, that was kind of like what I was starting to laugh about is like, it always ends up in the house anyway, because mm -hmm. right. we're having to shoot stuff. And after an event, we're just too tired to bring it back to storage anyway. So yeah, we like shoot. if you had a storefront, right? Yeah, yeah I know it could be there. And yeah, stuff. Right. absolutely. Well, right now to test it out, we actually, because we suck at putting everything back into storage after our events, we have now set up in our dining room where our office is. We used to just shoot clothes for the website in there. Now we've moved that to the living room and our dining room has now become a private shopping by appointment only type situation yeah. yes so um you know we're just kind of trying to dip our little toe into the water and it's a slow build like, yeah you don't we've seen a lot of people just jump into it and then we go to their store and they don't have any product and we're right. just kind of like yeah or their store went from having vintage to now that they're open seven days a week, they don't have time to get vintage. So now it's turned into a thrift store with mm -hmm. a little bit of vintage. Um, something that we're not really interested in. Like we really want it to be 100% vintage when you walk in. Um, or at least 99%. Yeah. That's kind of our joke because it's 99% vintage. So Because some things, you know, you buy like a 2006 band tee that in five years will be vintage. Right. But, you know, so... You know, that's where our 99% comes from. There's a whole wine cellar of vintage clothes. This is such a good idea. <laughs> I've actually thought about doing the same thing. It just, just like, call it the vintage cellar and it's stuff that's like five 
C E L L A R, not S E L L E R. Yes. But uh, yeah, you just like start the vintage cellar. It's just stuff that's almost vintage. Yeah, yes. just vacuum seal it and yes. just <laughs> let it marinate. Yeah, you can get early access, but otherwise, like it just comes out every like couple years. You just release a new collection. Have you guys considered a pop up shop? Um, that's what we mostly do yeah. is pop up. Uh, we do pop up shops, uh, flea market events, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually it's a huge thing in Dallas right now. I mean, everybody's running one every weekend. It's gotten to the point now where we have to actually pick just, and choose yeah. what we're what we're gonna do. Right. Uh, um, but there are some favorites. If we, I, I guess, we'll go ahead and plug Lola's Rock and Roll Rummage Sale in Fort Worth. Uh, that is our favorite one. Oh, it yeah. is. It's so much fun. Uh, we make a lot of money every time we do it. The people there are super cool. Yeah. Uh, the girl that runs it, Tiffany, she's been doing. She's been selling vintage for a long time. So she's got two storefronts now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But um, wow, way to go. <laughs> We may or may not edit that part out. Now that I said this, we're keeping it. <laughs> we're just gonna have to like rubber mat the entire floor. It'll be like a playground area. I've had to stop moving my feet because they keep squeaking. So oh, well, okay. I didn't even mop this morning, so it should be. No, it's the boots. Fine. Oh, okay. yeah, they've got that like grip to them and just squeak. So yeah, I mean, so like after I watched Slobby's World, I was like, man, I could do like a '90s, right? Like late '80s, '90s vintage collection store or whatever and uh i mean i can't because i don't have the time or the right like i wouldn't actually go that oh, route. Yeah. but there's there have been a couple conversations i used to manage a skate shop like mm -hmm. early 2000s he and actually so, took me there yesterday where it used to, to be yeah i was like it's be. not that would be weird it's not there <laughs> it's like sure. you're making this up <laughs> yeah but it was this really cool shop and there was somebody that was a customer and he was talking he's like do you ever think about like opening that again and i was like yeah but it i mean it'd be cool but I think it'd be hard to get those clothes and that, right? Mm -hmm. But there's that feeling of like nostalgia and it was super fun and really mm -hmm. like, I I think that's the thing that attracts me to is like there are memories associated with those things and just like, um, even just being in the environment of it like helps you kind of like grab memories a little bit better and yeah. right, like that kind of thing. And there's like- Yeah, when you care about something, you want to keep it going. Yeah. All right. And like, and I want like, um, there's not really- a skate shop in the area there's a good one but it doesn't really deal in clothes right and so that's the thing like i mean decks are cool and all that but for some reason the clothes are the thing that really like resurface mm -hmm. that those memories and that like feel or whatever but I, I think the danger there too is if you do a shop that's just centered around this very specific very narrow thing how are you really keeping this place open unless it's a speakeasy at yeah, night? Yeah. That's the solve. It just becomes a speakeasy at night. Um, I mean, I would definitely go. <laughs> okay, well, I've got one customer. And after your eBay comments, one listener. This yeah. is really going downhill for me pretty fast. It's a... Uh, yes. <laughs> so Amy's just sabotaging everything. No, again, if people are probably just like, eBay's still around? Like, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> We're really tripling <laughs> uh, I used eBay not that long ago, twice, because the person didn't ship the first thing and I had yeah. to go back and get it. See? Hey, yeah. I just bought a Star Trek shirt on there the other day, and yeah, mm -hmm. um, I knew Which, you were like uh, that. Which series? Uh, Did you bring it with you? No, I didn't. I, it's not there yet. It's not at the house yet, but it's a... Uh, this was a purchase on this trip, so even It's a Klingon we Bird of Prey, mm -hmm. and it's got mm -hmm. Klingon writing on it. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. I've always wanted to spend the rest of my life single, so I'd yeah. much like to see this. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I've got something locked down over here, so uh, I'll, I'll just nerd out while I can. So you can wear the Klingon shirt with immunity, and uh, me, on the other hand, we walk around and be like, I just want to be left alone forever. Yeah. See my shirt? <laughs> no, it's it looks like uh, Next Generation era. So. Yeah, I would describe the ship to you so we could verify, but I'm not going to do that to myself right now. Just okay. the artwork looked very Next Generation era. Uh, it did not, it could have been, you know, um, maybe Star Trek V era too, but that was right All before right, we're going TNG. Here. So the Bird of Prey yes. in TNG has the double wing design and the Bird of Prey in original series is just the single <laughs> Nerds. I can't remember. No, I, I really, I really myself for no reason. Your no. response is, well, that was no help. <laughs> no, I really can't remember because I just got excited about the price. It was only 14 bucks and I was just like, no, yeah, all right. Fair. Uh, you know, I was just like, I got to get this. Like, this is too cool. I can't believe you're selling this for $14. Yeah. I was like, this is going in my closet. That's awesome. I'm going to wear it. I didn't week. know you were a Star Trek fan. 
Yeah, yeah. Me and my dad used to watch so much more in 2004. I know, right? (laughs) No, me and my dad used to watch all the time. Uh, Like he was a big Star Trek fan. He was a big Star Trek fan for me when he was a kid. And then when Next Generation came out, uh, we watched it together every week. But yeah, I saw Star Trek five and six in theaters, and I watched all the Next Generation movies in theaters too. Yeah, I was pretty pretty big Star Trek fan. I didn't know this. Yeah. This is such a weird. This happens to me every time where I like talk to somebody I knew a long time ago, and I'm like, wait, you're even cooler than I thought you were. <laughs> every time, or or not as cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, my definition of cool mileage may vary. But, uh, I'm still a supporter of Big Bang Theory, and somebody over there with the oh. camera, not so much. Oh. I get a lot of heat for that one. He doesn't Have really you seen like Picard? Yeah, I was. It was okay. So, Amy, let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> But see, I'm probably the opposite of everybody on this because, like, I like Discovery more than Picard. So I, kn- I know a lot of people think Discovery is not as good, but I actually like the way they re- they redesigned the Klingons and everything. And like, I thought they dove even more into just kind of like retconning the culture of the Klingons and stuff yeah. like that. So it's gotten a lot of traction. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, it's, it's good. It's yeah. kind of they do some weird stuff, but uh, like as far as just going back into the well and bringing it back and because i'm trying not to say too much to just like you know spoiler alert uh if you haven't seen it but uh they just they do some stuff that's very original series like they bring some storylines from that into discovery and stuff like that which is kind of cool they redo it and stuff like that make it new and fresh but they 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 seem to be kind of going off a, a weird path right now with what they're doing with the show it's still good the acting's really good three uh, I think four. they just finished four. Okay, it's going in. It's always that time now. where TV series are like, "What do we do now? We did all the yeah, yeah. ideas, right. and now we're kind of hunting around like baby." Yeah. <laughs> like every series ever, they're like, "And eh, somebody's pregnant now." Yeah, or <laughs> cousin Charlie's here, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and he's yep. there for a whole year. The just, Goldbergs, like, yeah. yeah that. Uh, have you seen Lower Decks? I tried watching it, couldn't get to it, which is saying something because I love cartoons. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so speaking of Star Trek, which took place in the 60s or was filmed in the 60s Mm -hmm. um what brings us to the 60s i'm trying to circle this back to uh (laughs) as we lost people for like 20 minutes um they're like can y'all please stop talking but why 60s and 70s fashion specifically like what draws you to that era of clothing oh goodness i know what my answer is 60s clothing which is very bold um it spoke a lot to the culture at the time and the cool thing about 60s fashion is you've got early 60s and late 60s were two completely different things, mm-hmm. but they're still very cool. Like uh, I have a collection of 1960s like skinny ties and they're awesome. They're just simple with a little like detail to them, like a little unicorn or something on it. And it's just so cool to just it's like a little Easter egg on your tie. It's just there. Um, and then you get into the late 60s, it's just very bright and bold and psychedelic mm-hmm. and um, just very out there and it that spoke mod. to just kind of how I I love it because like there's a tie into history to it you go into the the early 60s where everything was still like innocent and the company or the country was just growing and there was a lot of just hope and then you had so many assassinations and just it, it tore the country apart and then all of a sudden just there was a lot of rebellion in the late 60s and it, you can just see it in the clothes, that how like it the changes. That was the first year that teenagers were like really just kind of like super into their own thing and setting their own paths and going off the beaten path and doing whatever they wanted. I think for me, like the music that drove the culture of the fashion and everything is what I love about it. Um, just all the like psychedelia and like all the stories of like what you could have been like Woodstock and all that stuff like I don't know just growing up I was always told that I was born in the wrong generation that I should have definitely been alive in the 60s and 70s and it's just kind of never really left me um and like I love that it's all coming back right now um all the bold patterns and bright Mm. colors and the music is kind of going that direction again (laughs) and so I don't know. I just feel like it's something that'll never die. Like everybody's always going to talk about the cool things that happened in the '60s and '70s that they wish they would have been there for. <laughs> yeah. No. It, does that permeate for you? In like you mentioned music, but like, do you? Is it also television? And like, do you consume all of it, or 
is it mostly just focused on the clothes and then I think television is a little bit harder to be honest just because it's not as accessible as the music is yeah. I mean the music really permeated that decade more so than anything else you know we can say television permeated the 80s in the oh, yeah. 90s yeah where the music not so much because it was just very overproduced and uh very poppy and money driven you know uh nothing wrong with that but you can see you can just see a, a, a difference but there's a contrast between the two and uh i just don't like name a tv show from the 60s or even a movie like mary just, tyler moore show i mean okay Andy griffith yeah i mean i guess gomer star Pyle trek <laughs> yeah i mean star trek too and there's a little bit but i think if we set here we could name way more of the 80s and i don't think it has anything to do with us just knowing, just knowing it yeah i think it's just one of those things that well, you also have three networks and not a hundred channels exactly right? like, right. so there's yeah. just a difference in just like yeah i content can't availability i can't say that there's really much from as far as movies or tv shows that really have watched from that era Batman. we try and watch Batman. it the Batman. thing is we try and watch it for just like ideas yeah. and right. just like like we'll watch a lot remember. of like mad men or like um, i love mad men yeah like a lot of those shows that are about the 60s and 70s because it will give us some inspiration but i mean like i mean we might be different we we i feel like we live in a time machine like our whole house is decorated in like 50s 60s 70s stuff and so like authentic stuff from then right. so like we really like i mean i feel like we live and breathe it <laughs> it's mean, like we, a museum right. well, you guys had tupperware in the back of your car too yeah. right was that 70s tupperware or yeah it's yeah. probably late 60s early 70s when when does tupperware start existing so, i really thought it was the 80s because know, that's when you had all the parties no it was 50s actually yeah because every it's all crazy. the homemakers and everything like yeah. that the, the weird thing about it is like you know you can go to the store or you know you can go to walmart whatever right now and buy you a drawing rack for your dishes for what probably three four five bucks if you find you a Rubbermaid dish drying rack from the 60s and 70s, boy, those things will sell for 50 bucks and people buy them. That's and it's crazy. just like, but that's when all those companies were like really making, I don't know, for me, it's the colors too. Like everything's so like, you know, everybody wants yeah. the like, <laughs> the like, our tones and stuff now the back avocado then green. it's like the yeah. avocado green the oranges like you know you have your pink bathroom and all sorts of stuff and i'm like yes give me it all that's awesome <laughs> and like tupperware changes like i knew that wasn't 80s tupperware because of the lid mm-hmm. like it has does the one in your car had like the like the lines coming straight out from the center, right? Is it? Yeah. Is that the? Yeah. yeah. It's got that. And then it's got like multicolored flowers print, yeah. painted on the side. Like psychedelic really cool. flowers on the lid and everything. And yeah, I mean, we tend to collect some weird things. I've got a whole like mushroom jar collection and everything. Like, like jars that hold mushrooms or <laughs> jars that are shaped like mushrooms. I mean, that this is, you're, uh, you're the one talking about Woodstock, not me. That's a. Uh, we're trying to keep this family friendly, sir. Yeah, those are your rules. Exactly. Let me roll that back a little bit. Well, I mean, I have jars that are like flowers, sugar. You know, and they say what they are. That was a leading. That was a leading question, in my opinion. <laughs> so no, there's like a famous Mary Mushroom collection that Sears came out with in the late '60s, mm-hmm. early '70s. That's ceramic, and they are cream colored with browns and then they have mushrooms like you know coming out i guess almost 3d from them they almost kind of look like they're dancing like that's why they're called merry mushroom like yeah and so back then you probably could buy them you know for pretty you know your standard jar collection or whatever but you know now i have just a huge cookie jar a napkin holder and then two salt and pepper shakers shaped like mushrooms that set alone for the four pieces sells for like 150 bucks because yeah what's the like the most unique or weirdest product you found kind of in that category because there's some like i have an old 1950s fridge and when i first opened it like i literally for a second was like what are all those weird things and they were egg holders right like Mm. in the door but you don't and there's actually a metal tray where you put the butter like in the doorway or whatever all features that are not in a modern fridge right um because your eggs come in a carton and not from yeah. the farmer down yeah. the road that yeah. kind of stuff so like have you found anything where it's just like 
technology or something has changed the need for this, but it's still really cool. I've actually got one off the top of my head. Uh, there's this really cool t-shirt I got and it's from Bangkok and it's like, it's some, what's the name of the club? It's like Woodstock, uh, dance club and it's a go-go dancing competition. The cool thing about the shirt though, is it has a cigarette holder pocket on the sleeve <laughs> and that is something you're not going to see anymore. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's so cool. Especially when I point that out, that detail out to people, they fall in love with the shirt. Cause they're just like, you know, we always joke like, Oh, you can put candy cigarettes in there, you know, like yeah, yeah. just look cool, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's like one of those things that like, you're just not really going to, a, a cigarette pocket. That's not going to, you're not going to see that anymore. Yeah, no, that's fair. What's yours, Amy? Oh goodness. Do I have one? Like, okay. So backstory, I've only been doing this with him for about a year now. So I feel like he's got a lot more cool finds than I do. Yeah. I think finding something that's just not useful anymore or something like incredibly unique. Cause we find unique stuff all the time. I mean, we started with the towel earlier, like that, I, I think the towel yeah. is a good I mean, example of the up towel. super cool. We want to keep talking about Woodstock here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, as long as you don't mind that we're not going to be promoting Coca-Cola on this show. <laughs> you know what? I'm done on sponsors. I'm just fine with Coca-Cola. That's, that's a big one there, buddy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so in like the late 60s, um, the 7-Up wanted to, you know, kind of take over the Coca-Cola market. So they started really pumping out that... 7-Up was the more natural cola and it was the uncola of the era and everything. So in 1969, they came out with these um, psychedelic designs and everything, commercials, all that good stuff. Um, and so we actually just found a towel that has the 7-Up bottle in the middle with the psychedelic butterfly wings coming out of it. And it's from that campaign and they pushed out that campaign um, on the way to Woodstock. So like all the commercials on the TV, all the billboards, you know, all the stuff at Woodstock was all about the Uncola campaign for 7-Up. Um, and they played around with the psychedelicness of it and everything. So we actually found that towel. Um, you know, we got it for a dollar. Turns out, sell for a pretty penny. The little mini billboards go for like 800 bucks. The large ones go for upwards of 2000 we really don't know how to price this towel. So, I mean, I would guess I would say yeah, that's like probably. We can put, put it on eBay and see what the auction is. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, the auction thing is just, if you want to lose money, do an auction yeah, on eBay, I to be kidding. honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the Dale Earnhardt romper was something else oh, that was really cool. Yeah. So we found a romper, a girl's romper, but it was Dale Earnhardt and not Dale Earnhardt Jr. Like we're talking senior here. And we could not find anything out about it. I mean, there's literally nothing on the web about a, a NASCAR romper. And it was, a lot of people kept asking, I was like, oh, maybe it's homemade. And it's just like, no, it's not homemade because it was made by Chase Authentics, which makes a lot of NASCAR products. Right. Mm -hmm. And can't find anything out about it. We finally sold it. Man, it, like, it broke my heart to sell that thing because yeah. it was just so cool, so rare. Uh, the only thing we could think of is maybe it was made for... The promo one of girls. the promo girls or something got That's it the only thing we figure out yeah because they would have actually contracted with somebody to make that it right. wouldn't have just been somebody making there it would only be like four of those or whatever right yeah like you just have the four people on stage right. or something yeah that's um, crazy that was something else i mean i bought it for a dollar to garage sale and yeah uh sold it for 125 and like i said I could feel my heart fluttering when mm -hmm. I when we sold that because I was just like man i can't believe never getting this because they're never gonna see it ever again yeah. yeah it's crazy how much like promotional material like that towel is probably a giveaway thing right mm -hmm. like they're just like we're just getting our brand out there so it's right. relatively but you know you fast forward like 60 or 70 years or whatever and all of a sudden this has this kind of like nostalgic value to it and it's it just a disposable towel. so there's not yeah. maybe a lot of them either because people like you've been handed a pin or something that you just mm -hmm. like threw in the trash can mm -hmm. 20 minutes later but then you know fast forward and all of a sudden it's like oh this one campaign from a politician some year right like mm -hmm. uh, suddenly has this value to it and it's just weird how that stuff kind of gets lost in the like time right i know it, it almost away. makes you want to hold on to like everything that you get now but then like we'd all be like hoarders, hoarders. Yeah. <laughs> 
Actually, they, we've seen that. Yeah, oh yeah. We've and cleaned out stuff, a hoarder's house before. Yeah, oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> and then the stuff that you do hold on to, you fast forward, it's like, well, that's not worth it. Like my Star Trek action figures that Playmates came out with in the 90s, not really worth anything. Like They're not worth much, but they're still worth something. Like Less than you paid for them in the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it went true. backwards in inflation. <laughs> so uh, that's how I feel yeah. about some of my comic books that I have. They right. just, they're still worth the same face value that they were uh, on the bottom. One of the Coheed books got stupid really? valuable for wow. a while. I don't know if it still is or not, but it's in a, I found out that the guy that drew like the first couple issues lives here. Oh, okay. Cool. That's yeah. cool. I'm going to try to get him on the show at some point. He's, about to say. Awesome. He's like a big time DC artist now, but um, yeah, it, I was like, well, that's a random, like, yeah, just fine. But yeah, every, like you'll find this thing. You're like, well, I don't want to sell it. Cause it's worth, <laughs> it's cool. And then when you're like, maybe I should sell my collection. It's worth like $2. <laughs> you know? I mean, everything away. that we've kind of seen that builds value is something that just anything pop culture, mm-hmm. it's eventually going to gain some value. Uh, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's like a diamond, time and pressure. It'll, right. It'll build value. I think it's a lot, a lot of that pop culture stuff. I think even the Star Trek toys, you never know. People may just start tossing them because they haven't gained any value and then all of a sudden they're rare. And yeah. Then, yeah. And that yeah. scarcity matters, right? Like Absolutely. the fact that it's hard to get is the true. The so like those towels probably took a long time because they were a dime a dozen for ten years, right? And they were used to clean up spills in the kitchen or whatever. Mm. <laughs> now all of a sudden, like as those got tossed, you just have a couple good examples left. Right. We literally yeah. can't find any other example online anywhere. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. So so do you guys like? I mean, there's some built-in knowledge just because you love the era, right? So just naturally, like you're inundated with it anyway but then clearly there's research and study that actually has to happen to make the business as not only lucrative but just also like the to know how to value the product right and to right. Know what oh to I, yeah like, i think almost immediately every time we find something we're looking to kind of see like not what people are asking for but what actually sold for uh thank god for the internet because it's just it helps us out so much finding out like how much something is worth and there's an online community that's actually building the value for it so it also helps because uh it actually hurts sometimes too but i'll get to that in a minute mm-hmm. uh, i actually uh, go to my mom sometimes when we find so- stuff because she can actually uh she can look at sometimes we find something we can't tell if it's homemade or like handmade or right if it was made in a factory so uh, she's actually pretty good about detail, like identifying that. So we'll take it to her and she'd be like, oh no, this stitching, that was something that they actually taught in home ec. So she remembers this stuff from when she was a kid. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. So yeah. luckily there are people out there and I always recommend like, if you know somebody, I mean, never know, just go show it to them. They might have some hidden knowledge that you just don't know about and point in the right direction. Well, eventually you guys become the people with the knowledge, right? Cause right. you're like, we're We've getting there. So yeah. Long. Yeah. Like the, the romper thing, like, you know, this company that, works in that world than right. an average person i would say know. like in general there's so much more that goes into vintage reselling than just like buying and selling the clothes like we wear so many hats i mean just the the aspect of how many hours it takes a week to source the product i mean you would say what it's like 30 to 50 hours but then we're like cleaning the product repairing the product like taking pictures of the product, researching it. So like we end up like doing this entire life cycle that like deep dives into and we haven't made a single penny on what we just purchased until someone buys it. So like it it comes into the factor too of like, you know, if we end up having to like spend hours cleaning something and then we're re-sewing something or you're fixing a zipper or a button, like I wanna get paid for that work I put into it. I might not be able to, but I'd like to think I deserve $20 an hour for that. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) you know, so. It's labor. It is. Right. So it ends up coming down to this whole thing about like, okay, well, how much is the market really going for it? How much worked it? But was it worth the work that I put into it at the end of the day? So, you know, a lot of times before we even buy something at the store, it could be two bucks at the thrift store. But if we're looking at it and we're like, okay, how many hours is it going to take to clean? repair do all this before we even make it like you know the 40 bucks on it or whatever like is that even worth the time and energy that went into it something i did want to bring up uh when i was leading into that was if you want a perfect example of supply and demand economics uh vintage clothing is one of the perfect examples we've actually seen this happen so many times where 
those Grateful Dead shirts I was talking about, there was one point a few years ago, if you had a tie-dye Grateful Dead shirt, even from the 90s, they were going for $500, $1,000. That's crazy. And now, because the market's become so flooded with it, the prices have dropped down to as low as $75, 100 150 Same thing with Harley Davidson shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably five, 10 years ago, those things are going for a couple hundred bucks. And they're so common now. They've, it's it's flooded the market so much that those shirts are going for like 25 30 bucks now. Like, <laughs> But it's, it's really interesting to watch. I almost wish I, I had the time and knowledge to just track this stuff and just do a you know a supply and demand scale and just watch the prices fluctuate because yeah. it's really interesting to just kind of know like i had a shirt you know i i, I found a grateful dead shirt about a year year and a half ago and uh i've watched the price just kind of like slowly drop on it uh i still paid two dollars and fifty cents for it so you're still i'm not hurting <laughs> right right i'm gonna get my money eventually right right it's it's really interesting to kind of watch that and that's something else that leads into the research of it is like you got to watch these prices because they do change eventually like right even sometimes we'll have something that like grew in value since mm-hmm. we researched it and we end up like oh we sold that for like 40 bucks under what it was too supposed low, to go yeah. for you know but you just that's have great, to keep keeping up with it well yeah. that's tough too though because you don't know when the market is experiencing a momentary dip or mm-hmm. when it's really the start of the snowball effect downhill mm-hmm. right like, yeah I would say, too, like something that what we initially thought would help us um, right now because all the psychedelic kind of patterns and stuff are so popular. All the fast fashion companies are like producing that stuff like left and right. And so you see everybody wearing it everywhere you go right now. Um, But for us, you know, like we're just like, would you rather have the real thing but then it's like their prices are ten dollars versus our price of fifty dollars but at the same time you know we have a piece of history that's lasted 60 years you know and so it's like the fast fashion clothes aren't meant to last that long it's meant for you to buy wear once once and throw it away yeah Yeah. Um, landfill for 50 years or right which is you know if there's a whole nother world side to that that's like you know whether that's ethical or not <laughs> yeah um but i mean that's something you know that we try and educate our consumers and stuff on as well is just you know uh, letting them know how awful the fast fashion really is you know it might be cheap for you to buy it and you can you know buy 800 items at a time for 200 dollars or right, whatever right. but like you know was that really you know something that you're gonna wear more than one time is it gonna shrink after you wash it once like you know you might pay up for this item but it's still on trend because as we were talking about earlier fashion is so cynical where it comes back into style so you know you might be buying a psychedelic dress today that you know, is real and authentic and it, you know, might sit in your closet after the season's over, but you know, in five, 10 years, it's really going to be back again and you're yeah. going to be able to wear it. Your kid's going to be in your closet, pulling it out and wearing right. it to school. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. what we always talk about is that you can treat it as a rental too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're paying up for this psychedelic dress that you buy from us for 200 bucks, you can still turn around and sell it for $200, you know, like it's not going to lose any value. But if you go buy something from a fast fashion company, it it's literally worth it's worthless exchange or yeah. play right. closet or yeah. whatever if they'll even take it because there's so much of absolutely it. Yeah. absolutely and i think there's a lot of value in like curating your wardrobe right oh, like yeah have it's better to have a few really well picked out pieces that fit really well that look good right like that have kind of a timeless quality to them than have 200 items that you're never gonna you're not wear. really gonna wear again right? right or they're they're super um like just like instant fashion like just right now right mm-hmm. and it's not you're not really going to wear it right like if part of you know i mentioned earlier that i have a slow fashion blog and so that's one of the things that i talk about a lot is that like you know it's not that you shouldn't be you know if that's what you can afford to buy it's not meant to shame someone that you're buying you know that the psychedelic dress for five bucks from you know the fast fashion store or whatever but it's like the excess buying um like we are consuming as americans like three times more than like the earth can replenish at the moment and so like and it's gotten to the point too where these fast fashion companies are um, making so many pieces um, that 
they can't even keep up with, um, like there's not enough consumers for how many they're making. So they end up donating it to Goodwill or wherever. Well, Goodwill can't even sell them all for, you know, however much, because there's not enough people coming into their store to buy it. So then they end up sending it over to third world countries to donate them. But then it ends up polluting their environment because they can't even consume it at the rate that it's being sent over there. So it's just like, we need to start thinking about how we can better kind of you know, whether you're restyling an item that you bought or you're paying a, up a little bit for something that is um, going to last you a long time, um, but you can have it in your closet. It's a piece of history, all that good stuff. Um, like it's something that we really need to be conscious about because yeah. nobody else is, I mean, everybody wants to make money at the end of the day. And so it's not going to stop the fast fashion companies from doing something. It's working well for them, yeah. you know? But to the point of like, in there's always value, I think, in like a broad price point because what people can afford is different, right? Right. And, but I have a friend that does style and subculture, and it's just like like dress clothes, right? Like nice suits and like mm. Gucci loafers and whatever. But he buys all of his stuff for like ten dollars, fifteen. Yeah. You know, it's all vintage finds that are just like timeless pieces that he's curated over time, and so you can get you know, good pieces relatively inexpensively as well. You may have to do more work, right? Like what you're, what you guys are doing is like doing all the hard work and the repair and the right, like for me, like I'm really paying you to, to do the work and be out there like curating this stuff. Right. Cause I I could probably, but I'm not going to spend 50 hours a week, like driving around trying to find this one piece. It would be impossible. It becomes your full-time job, which like it has. And so like, I mean, we even have reseller friends who literally hate the thrift store. Like they don't know. It's not in their like motif to just want to go in there and like search through 800 items of clothes to find two items. They don't want to do it. So like, we'll do it for them and we'll sell them the item at the thrift store price, you know, maybe add a little buck or two to it. But like, luckily I'm pretty fast at it. Like, I I just, I flip through the shirts real fast. I mean, I can go through two whole long racks in a couple of minutes. Like I'm fast because it's easy when you're just looking for tags, like you're not actually looking at the shirt. So, right. For sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just like, whether you have the time and stuff and it is a privilege to have the time to go out there and be able to source the product and find the good stuff and do all that kind of heavy lifting and everything not everybody has the time so it's like never to like shame anybody for like not doing it we Um, all have the same amount of time it's how we prioritize it (laughs) absolutely i I talk about this a lot right like i mean you guys are still working and doing right like so you're just prioritizing this as an endeavor that right like right. I, we all have the same amount of time I, when people say i don't have the time i'm like you're just not making the time for that like, that's <laughs> right and you have to pick and choose what you're going to use your time for but no totally i mean like we talk about this all the time is that like we work full time and so it's like whenever we're not working like we're spending our evenings our weekends and everything to make our dream happen and be right. possible and so like it might be a slow, slow climb because we don't have the time that we could be putting into it. But at the same time, like when you really want something and you're really passionate about something, you'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause no part of this is not fun. I mean, it's just even having a, cl- a piece of clothing soaked for eight hours and oxy clean, like, you know, and just getting some elbow grease in there to get that stain out. Like, I have a shirt I need you to look at. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't bring my starch, so I'm not going to iron and press it. You can have spray starch somewhere. All right. I'll go to town on it. But no, it's still fun. I mean, there's there's nothing about it that's just not enjoyable, especially having her by my side. I mean, it's just, it makes everything much more enjoyable. And I I always tell... It's the romantic thing that's been said on this show since Aaron left. (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to... I I always say this, though. Like, this, I don't think I became successful at doing this until I met her. Right. Uh, I was doing okay at it, but it was just kind of one of those things I was doing and it was a fun little hobby and it made a little bit of money and I, it was like a treasure hunt every day just finding this stuff. But when I met her, I mean, that's when it really started to take off just because of our different retail background. I feel like we've got the whole thing encompassed now. Right. Like she has a background in buying and fashion merchandising and I have a background in operations and right. uh, analytics. So. I just feel like the two of us together just kind of like created this like unit that is able to accomplish it all. Like we, you know, I, I, the social media thing, like luckily she takes 
the lead on that stuff. And uh, thankfully, you know, being an introvert, when we do these events and stuff like that, she takes the lead on it and people will just come up to her and be like, thank you. Oh, this is such awesome stuff. Like you have such cool stuff. And I'm like, I just sit back cause I'm just like, I don't care. You know? just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you take all the credit but, me for this conversation. I'm good. Yes. Yeah. Like, but she's just like, she doesn't mind taking the lead on that stuff. And at first I felt awkward about it. Cause I'm like, this is baby. He built this. Like I've only been in it with him for a year, you know? Right. So it's like, you know, but I mean, I feel like sometimes people like ask us when they find out that we are a couple actually. And so they're just like, how do y'all do that? Like y'all work together, y'all live together, you do everything. And I'm just like, we always have this like joke that like he has one side of the brain, I have the other and together we make one brain. And so <laughs> one complete like brain. One yeah. complete brain. So it's just like we could never accomplish this by ourselves. But I think the we both have enough like humility with each other to be able to say like i don't know everything about this like i can learn x y and z from you and vice versa robbie's admitted out loud that he doesn't know everything about something <laughs> <laughs> is this recorded or like this is out there is there a time machine so i can go back in time i was no, paid to say that no, no, no need to edit this out sir <laughs> Well, in fact, you can play it on loop for yourself. <laughs> yes. I do have editing powers. Uh, no, but I think like something you said is really important that that like it is fun. Like all the aspects are fun. That being said, I'm assuming that there are times that it, it is work and it is hard, right? I mean, the same thing for oh, me yeah. with this, right? Like it's super, super fun. There's also times where it's like, okay, I have to find the guest. I have to now sit here and edit this for a while. Oh, Somebody yeah. said, um, 4,000 times, you know, like whatever Probably. the thing might be. <laughs> uh, but as I do it myself, <laughs> dang it, I'll Karma. edit that one out. Uh, again, um, I'm now trapped in a, um, I can't the get endless out. circle. <laughs> Got no, I would say for us, first. the photographing the editing the photographs sweating like, at events oh yeah the sweating at events like there is getting a dehydrated. lot that we can't really like you know say that we absolutely enjoy i mean i will tell you earlier i talked about we turn our dining room into a photo studio to have items on our website the whole idea of that was to have it easily acceptable accessible so that we can go and do it on a daily basis we can't leave the bedroom without going to the kitchen and passing all the clothes we need to photograph <laughs> do we still pass them yes it looks like the leave the laundry in the hallway thing so you yeah. know you have to do it i don't think that's ever worked for anybody that's <laughs> it but but i think at the end if the core of it is fun enough and you're passionate enough about it that's the thing that kind of drives you through all the the difficult oh absolutely long hour time yeah right? like I, I would say there, I would say the difficult parts and like the parts that are just a challenge are they're so just fleeting. Yeah. It doesn't really kind of make an impact. It, it's like when we load up and unload for an event, uh, unloading or loading up after an event is probably the worst part right. to be honest. Cause we're tired, we're sweaty. Uh, we might've drank hours. too much, you know, like, uh, you know, you when you get home, yeah. Yeah. but you know, it just, by the time we get home and we go get something to eat and just sit down, we're just like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we, think- we met some cool people or um, we made just like a ridiculous amount of money or something. Or um, we talked to another reseller that, you know, we gave them some advice or they told us something, you know, interesting it's that we didn't know about. Network. Yeah. 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 Like I there's think, yeah. always something to take away from it that is positive and just kind of you know those fleeting moments where just we forget about yeah. until we have to do it again next week and then it's like oh we have to pack up yeah i think like oh it's going to be 99 degrees <laughs> i think like the main thing too is just like like you were saying the positivity like we try to really practice like gratitude in every moment like the hard moments the good moments you know like everything is just trying to find something positive that we can be grateful for in that moment i mean that's not like this journey has been like cookie cutter easy we've learned so much along the way um we lag behind our competitors in some ways too yeah you know know, like we've had to you know work a little bit harder at some things than others and so but it's just trying to find that um 
like gratitude within that moment of just being like, okay, you know, like we learned from that mess up right. and we're not going to do that again, you know, or else we're just stupid. And there's been some, point. there's <laughs> been some big, there's been some big mess ups that we're just kind of like, uh, but every, which we're not going to talk about. Everything but, goes through that though. Like, Oh, absolutely. Have, yeah. yeah, yeah those, big learning moments. Yeah. But at the same time, we really just try and we've started to get, just be known for being helpful, mm-hmm. yeah. which it's weird to say this, but it's not, it's not common common. in our industry. Like people are so uber competitive. They, they just act like children and they fight and they fight you and they pull stuff out of your hands and um, they try and cut in line. And it's just, it's just like, why it's just clothing, you know, like we're not, we're trying to do our little part, but we're not, you know, we're not not saving the world. Cure to cancer. I don't know. Maybe kind of thinks you guys are saving the world. You guys should maybe talk about that some more. It's, I heard just our, about landfills. Just our own little world. world. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask you, or it, at, the, at the end of every episode, I'm, I start a sentence and you finish it with whatever comes to mind. Oh, God. I'm putting you on the spot. He knows I'm too quick, so I'll come up with I something know, really that's fast. I'm like, so why didn't you that's, why he's asking, that's why he's looking at you. <laughs> I wish I could. Sing. Oh, nice. <laughs> Can That's you not sing? Perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> I cannot sing. I have a story we like to tell. When it's I was in high story. school, um, you know, everybody has to take an elective, and so you do drama or art or choir. And so I did choir, full well knowing I can't sing going into this. So I lip synced the whole year. Well, it comes out to our final for our senior year to graduate. And everybody's got to sing a solo in front of the teacher and the rest of the class. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I've been lip singing this whole year. And so I go to the teacher and I'm like, hey, yeah, like, been lip singing. Like, you know, and so he's like, oh, you know, I'm sure it's not that bad and everything. And so I do my solo. And, like, you could hear my voice is, like, awful (laughs) in general. I've got, like, this country twang and everything that should not be there mixed with Valley Girl. So I do my solo. And he's like, yeah. Please let's sync for our final concert. <laughs> I like how you had a real life Millie Vanilli moment. This makes me happy. <laughs> Somehow brings us full circle. I can't thank you guys enough for hanging out, talking about what you do, um, driving here all the way from Dallas just to be on the show. Thank you for having wink, us. Wink. Oh, no. <laughs> when, when the opportunity came up, I mean, we were just like, this sounds like a lot of fun. We definitely want to do it. And I haven't seen you in like 10 years. So yeah, it's a, it was just like, I have to do this. It's good to reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank Thank you. Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Cullen.